Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome, listeners, to episode 137 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking of pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Andert, and I'm joined this week by a man who has been short of breath in anticipation for the topic this week. He's been snoring loudly. He's been flaring his nostrils. He's even been regurgitating. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? <laughs> Mate, you sound like you sound like you got some strider. We actually thought I don't think we um, spoke about that with uh, with our guest this week. A little bit of sizzle for everyone. We've got a uh, an excellent interview with an uh, adjunct professor uh, uh, Phil Moses from up at uh, veterinary surgical specialist up in um, up in Queensland. Um, uh, what a what a tremendous talk it was. But uh, he was wondering what the collective noun for pugs were, and uh, and I said, oh, could we could we call it a strider of pugs? Yes. Yeah, you did. Was it? Did we record that? I don't know if that's still in, but anyway. I don't know if we did get it in there. That's why I thought I'd put it in there because I thought, geez, that's actually a pretty good line. But yeah, it is. But before we get on to Phil, how's your week been, mate? You, uh, you've got a little injury there, I see. I have, mate. I have. I've got a very thick finger that is being protected by a, um, by a, 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 a vet, veterinary style cast. Was it, a, was it a wriggly pug and you were checking their anal glands? Well, mate, what I'm going to do, I do want to go into it in depth because it's a, it's an interesting story. Let's just say that, uh, you know, all those times where your mum says, don't stick your finger in little holes that you don't know what's on the other side of. Ooh. It's a very good idea. That's sizzle for next week, mate. Sizzle. Ooh, I love it. Excellent. And, uh, and my week, thanks for asking, has been, uh, been busy too. So. Mate, I don't <laughs> care about your week. After the text message you were sending me today, putting the wind up me for today, you know, I, you can, you can go and get stuff with your week, but no, how, 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 how was your week, mate? Are you okay? Busy. You doing all right? Busy. Busy? We're busy, mate. Everyone's busy. Aren't we? All vets. I mean, I had to, had a dinner with, uh, with some of our fellow friends of the podcast, uh, vet, uh, vet specialist, uh, other GP vets, uh, uh, even a cat vet this week. And, yeah. uh, uh, we all had dinner and we all discussed just how frenetic and frantic it is out there as far as the veterinary profession and how inundated we are. And just, uh, I think for me, this week's been the stress of getting to work and we're fully booked and just knowing the phone rings and there's, there's emergencies on the end of that line. And what am I going to do? Where am I going to, how am I going to fit, Where are we gonna fit it in? Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's sometimes it's just not possible. And then people become a little bit upset with that because, you know, and that's understandable, but, um, but sometimes they, they, we just have to send people onto the emergency center at this stage. So yeah, it was a good, we had a, a good dinner, good chat with the boys about all that stuff, but it is a, certainly a Melbourne wide problem. And I reckon it's, it's certainly Australia wide and even worldwide. Yeah. What did you have? Mate? Did you have a nice quinoa salad? Yeah everyone, yeah, everyone else had the big T-bone steak, and yeah, I had the uh, the uh, yeah the the uh, the quinoa with uh, with a, a nice little poached salmon. It was lovely. No, no, I fitted right in. We got and then Chardonnay. Yeah, like a nice dry white, nice dry white. I had. It, you, yeah. you didn't you didn't have it sort of half with lemonade and then half with the you know Jandy. Uh, yeah, yeah, always. Always, always, mate. Terrific. Of course, yeah, definitely. How's your week been, mate? Apart from the, the breaking your finger, or what we'll hear about next week. Yeah, no, I got got uh, yeah got smashed today. Um, we've had had people away, and uh, so it's 
it's fine. It's all good. You know, I had a, had a, well, we're saying beforehand, uh, I had, had, had four euthanasias today, which was, um, you know, That's it's, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever done a three. I've done, a, I've had a few days of threes, but never had one of four. So, um, yeah. so it was uh, on top of a busy day. It was not, uh, not, not a great way to finish the week off, but it's, it's what we're here to do. And they were all animals that, that needed it. So it was good to be able to help them on their, uh, on their way. But it's uh, nice to help, yeah. but you know, that stuff, that sort of stuff, I think when we try and do it, I mean, often owners do ask for specific vets and I'm sure they, those owners, you know, wanted you to be the the final the final carer for the for their pet. But mm. you know, we do try and share those loads around. Some days, you know, I'll often say, "No, I'll do this one. You do that one." Yeah, we do try and because it's it's taxing on us. You know, even the support staff that are in there helping it's it's just mm. really taxing. But but anyway, yeah. mate. Uh, wow, what a day! Hey, but that's all right. That's all right. But uh, but um, yeah, you know, we'll uh, and and do and doing it with a uh, with a thick finger too. You know, yeah, extra, extra uh, degree of difficulty there, mate. But yeah, we, uh, we do want to thank our sponsors, though. Thank you very Absolutely. much to Zilkeen, uh, the mild anxiety lowering milk derivative product that you can you can get over the counter. Uh, I've got do we know lot... what sort of milk it comes from, Lewis? Are we talking mink milk or uh, ferret? You no, know, cattle, cattle milk, ferret. ferret, ferret, ferret from your ferret farming, mate, that we talked to Phil about, remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're always great for, uh, for throwing me under the bus for, uh, for uh... <laughs> reminds me when we did that, did that episode with, um, uh, was it that overseas podcast and, yeah, and we vet, had yeah, you, the, um, vet the, life. Vet's yes. Life. Yes. Yeah. And we had you, the, uh, bile bear farming of the koala bears on Philip Island. Oh. That was gold. That was gold. Yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go back and listen to about episode 15 for that one. Um, yeah, that vet life is still keen. It's good. I, I got a cat started on it today because it's over grooming, and uh, nice. but it's but it's otherwise it's pretty good. So I thought, you know what, you need you need to try some Zilkeen. Very so we're giving good, it mate. a crack with that and some Fellaway too, but Zilkeen mainly. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, we've um yeah I had actually as well this week I caught up with my behaviour mates. We haven't had a journal club for a while, so we actually caught up at the botanical gardens for a bit of a, a oh, chat, and we, we're all nice. talking talking extolling the virtues of Zilkeen and it's and it's amazing uh, mild anxiety lowering um lowering abilities. So there you go. Were Thank you, you very much, Zilkeen. Yeah. Now now that you people can gather again, were you guys uh dressed up in your uh, Shakespearean uh, clothing, sort of doing a, a uh, Shakespeare in the park kind of, were, kind of situation there. There were, there were people in costume. Yes. In that area, there is a, I think there is an outdoor, uh, some sort of uh, Shakespearean company that works in that area. You spot on mate, but it wasn't us. Thank you. Wasn't you guys. Oh, what no. a show. Maybe next time. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe next we're, time. We're all wearing our glasses though, as, as uh, Phil wanted to put on. Phil, our special guest that we're getting to eventually. <laughs> If we, yeah. if we ever so, get on to it. Sorry, sorry, sorry Phil and all your staff members that you've all been trying to listen to the podcast and here we are, we're talking about you 15 times and now we're talking about Lewis doing a midsummer night's dream. We did tell the, the, uh, the, some of his staff to, to put it on while they're watching the, uh, the Brachys Valley Dogs wake up, putting on our back catalogue because it's a long, long procedure watching those, uh, those poor little ones wake up from their procedures. They won't, they won't need to listen to the back catalogue. They'll still listen to the intro of the damn podcast. Yeah. <laughs> The are still going on. We've gone home and we still won't have, won't have actually gotten a fill. Um, so, uh, d- delicate care. I'm glad you asked. Delicate yes. care is Australian made, Australian uh, owned, uh, Australian produced in Perth uh, diet. Um, I was talking to an owner today about uh, a dental diet for dogs because their dog just doesn't like the other dental diets on the market. And I said, well, yep. you know what? There's another option. Delicate care. Would you like to give it a shot? 
Definitely. Yeah, no, good stuff. We really appreciate you guys' support. And also, we do appreciate our Patreon supporters. We, um, we, uh, we will eventually get some more uh, content up for you guys. We had a little bit of content today. We're just uh, wondering if it's a little bit saucy for the Patreon supporters. It's not too we? saucy for the Patreon people because if you want to hear the source, go to patreon.com, search for Two Vets Talk Pets. If, even if, it, if Lewis hasn't put it up there in a week, get onto patreon.com, sign up for your $2 a month and say, Lewis, I want to hear... I want to hear that saucy stuff. I want you're breaking up, Robbie. You're breaking I up, mate. We can, they can, no one can hear you. Got no idea what you're talking about. We'll move on then. I okay. want my sticker. I want my sauce. <laughs> Give it to me. Tell him that. Patreon.com. Two vets oh. talk pets. All righty, and I want the disclaimer. Let's hear the disclaimer, Robbie. All right, that sounds there, good, mate. mate. Yeah, no, let me just all advice. It. I've got it here somewhere. Yeah, on don't this show. Off my heart now. Yeah, is 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 general in general. nature. So please consult your veterinarian. 137 before. times. Come on, Robbie. We've, yeah, surely you know it off by heart. Well, I only, only have to read the damn thing. Um, hang on. I'm All just advice in the show is general nature. It sure is. Please, please consult your veterinarian before. Uh, it's advice. general in nature. So before any advice for your pet, we do our best to provide the most <laughs> up-to-date information. Because veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we've missed anything. Or if you think I should know the... Uh, <laughs> the disclaimer off by heart by now. Well, as as we as it darkens over here in Melbourne, and uh, and I believe uh, the it's the live sporting on the coral on the the barrier reef, mate. We better keep moving. I think. Fair enough. That, that's one that's off topic for you. Go for it. <laughs> How about a All break right. while we go and think about the sporting and the on the ground and coral reef. And after the break, we'll be back straight in with our interview with uh, Dr. Phil Moses from Veterinary Specialist Services. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in P-A-W-S. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. <laughs> it certainly did, mate. But seriously, the Pet Show webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for PetSure here. And you know they're presented by PetSure's Chief Vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also, they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. <laughs> Okay, listeners, we have a treat for you today. We are joined by uh, a uh, 
my goodness, one of the, uh, the, the top vets in Australia of dealing with uh, just in surgery in general, but it's someone who has a real passion for brachycephalic uh, surgeries and, and lots of surgeries in general. We're uh, joined by, uh, by Philip Moses. A little bit of a background for, from, about Philip. Uh, he graduated from the University of Sydney in 1986, worked in large animal and mixed practices until he was uh, on his website uh, described as cured of wanting to be a large animal vet and then uh, moved moved to the UK uh, and completing his certificate in small animal orthopedics with the Royal College in 94. And then he worked in referral, referral practice before returning back to Australia in 96. And then uh, a steady stream of great positions in private practice in Brisbane. And then uh, heading to the University of Sydney as a senior registrar, head of surgery, and then head to the, headed to uh, the University of Florida as a visiting scholar uh, before returning and becoming the founding partner of the veterinary special services in Brisbane. Uh, Philip uh, uh, completed his fellowship at the Australian and New Zealand College of Veterinary uh, Scientists uh, in small animal surgery and was registered as a specialist in 2003 and is an adjunct professor with the University of Queensland. Uh, Phil's surgical interests include brachycephalic airway syndrome, spinal abnormalities, particularly in the brachy dogs, spinal surgery, in, uh, especially in uh, condodystrophic or little dacky dogs, as well as lots of aspects of soft tissue, neurological and orthopedical sur orthopedic surgery but he's also pioneered surgical techniques in Australian marsupials as well as undertaking research projects with the Westmead Children's Hospital in Sydney and with the University of Queensland. Uh, he is a collector of motor cars, of pugs, of dachshunds, cats and a wrangler of children and an avid rugby league fan. Thanks for joining us. Not, it's, we're not uh, joined by, Dr. O, uh, by Oprah's Dr. Phil. We've got the real deal. It's the adjunct professor Philip Moses. Phil, how are you? Very well, thank you, Robbie. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. I think one correction there, rugby union, not rugby league. Oh, but, union, um, sorry. Although, although I am an, uh, 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 never miss a state of origin game up here, of course. Well, that was what threw fabulous... me. The game, the game played in heaven, mate. That's, that's my preference uh, too, definitely. It is indeed. In fact, my, um, my, um, my nephew, Tommy Wright, made his debut for the Wallabies a few weeks ago and scored a try the first time he touched the ball against the All Blacks. Your, nep your nephew, that's fantastic. Wow. And, yeah, and, so. and what what are you just uh, going off topic straight away? Uh, your your tips for uh, against Argentina this weekend? Are we going to beat them by a hundred and take the take the silverware? I, I, I'm hoping for a win, but um, I, I don't think I think the hundred and one points is probably a little bit optimistic. <laughs> yes, yes. Need to put the wind up, Tommy, to score a few more again. <laughs> that, that's quite a few, perhaps. Yes, yes. But anyway, we're we're here to talk about our little brachycephalic friends and um, the. Um, the, uh, they are great little dogs. Uh, they're really my passion uh, work-wise, and I've been looking after them for many, many years, and they do um, they have a very close place to my heart. We do have quite a few pugs uh, and dachshunds as well, but um, they were all uh, given to us from various people, so they're, they're, all, not a, they're all mostly dogs with problems. So. <laughs> So, right. a, a, uh, so you're, you're the you're the happy home. You're like the uh, the, uh, the 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 orf an orphanage for uh, for brackies and dackies. Yeah, just about, just about. <laughs> well, um, about. Well, talking about brackies, Phil, um, could you run through for us what breeds fall within that boundary of brachycephalics, and you know, maybe a little bit on how they got the way they are. Um, look, uh, th there's about 26 different groups, uh, different breeds of dogs in the brachycephalic group. And, and I think they're sort of, they're fairly well recognized, um, you know, from the, the, the common ones, the pugs, the, 
the, the, the, the English and French Bulldogs, Australian Bulldogs. I don't know why we need another Bulldog, let alone an Australian one. But anyway, that was only introduced in 1998. Um, but also we, we recognise the Sharpays, um, the Pekingese, uh, the, 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 um, the Spaniels, Little Spaniels, Cavalier, King Charles Spaniels, um, but the Boxers as well, and some of the big Mastiff dogs as well, the Dog de Bordeaux, um, the Neapolitan Mastiffs and so on. So there's, there's and, and little Boston Terriers, we don't see as many of those these days, unfortunately, and little Brussels Griffins. So, so many, many different breeds uh, of dogs uh, are sort of classified in that brachycephalic group. So I think there's about 26 uh, in all. Um, so how do they get the way they are? And, and I think the way I like to look at this is, is, is dogs descended from wolves, okay? So that's, we go way back in history, that's where all the dogs came from. Um, the majority of, of domestic pets came from the modern gray wolves. Um, a couple of the Arctic breeds came from the tamer wolf, but we won't worry about those because they're not uh, brachycephalic. But so, so modern gray wolf, and we've taken that dog and we've bred everything we have today from Chihuahuas to Great Danes uh, from that. And, and they're all as a result of selective breeding. And the vast majority of that selective breeding has occurred over the past few hundred years. And when we look at, um, look at our brachycephalic dogs, they've been selected for a number of things. They've been selected to have the, 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 the flattened or chondro, uh, or, sorry, the flattened um, or brachycephalic face um, the reason for that, I'm not really sure. There's some, some indication that people consider they look a little bit more human-like with a flat face. I don't really know um, why they were bred to have that, 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 that shortened snout and, and flattened face. Um, but that's the way they, were, they were, have been selected. Um, also to have the little screw tails, which has introduced a lot of problems with the hemivertebra, which are associated with the screw tails. But the um, the little 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 fat little face. So they've been selected to be uh, to appear the way they are. And when we look at um, the little dogs, um, that there's been a considerable change. Even over the past hundred to two hundred years, the the dogs we see mostly in in paintings two hundred years ago or one hundred and fifty years ago, the French bulldogs, the pugs, are very different from the pugs we see today. Um, wow. their, their noses have been shortened considerably. And, and English bulldogs, if you look at English bulldogs, you know, they were bred to um, fight bulls in pits. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but that's what they were bred for. Um, but at that time, they were quite an athletic animal and they could grab hold of a bull and grab its back legs or front legs and, and its snout. And uh, anyway, it wasn't pleasant, but, but um, each to his own. But, but the dogs in that day had a short snout, not a... a, a uh, not no snout as they have today, but a shortened snout. And it's when they've been, when we started to breed them for showing that those facial features really became compressed. And so that's, that's sort of, sort of a very brief history. And if you look, you know, uh, on, on the internet or various sites, you can find skulls from British bulldogs going back maybe 150 years uh, and compare them to skulls of British bulldogs today. And they're considerably different. Uh, we still have that, that quite large lower jaw, but the upper jaw has really been compressed to um, to drop off uh, right at the um, uh, at the at the the, the, the um, uh, basically in front of the eyes. So you know we've really lost that little nose there that they did have. Is, it, is there any thought so that sort of sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry any thought that the uh, the neo neonatalization 
of them, you know, the big eyes, the sort of the round face, making them look like uh, look like our little babies. Look like, yeah, very much so. And I think that's where, when we look at at the um, particularly the breeds that came from China, the 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 pug, the um, Tibetan spaniel, those little dogs, they they were really bred to to as lap dogs to be carried, um, and so their athletic performance wasn't so much of an issue. Um, but they're they're very cute little do- little dogs, and you look at those little faces, and they they really are cute little dogs. Just melt your heart, melt your heart. Mm, they do. Definitely. <laughs> and uh, look, before we got got you on uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been asking uh, listeners of the show if they had any questions. We actually got a question in for Gary, um, and he's just asking: Is it normal for my bulldog puppy to snore? It's not normal for any dog or really any person to snore. And the reason... Oh, re- don't tell my wife that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, no, mine as well. Mine as well. But, but, but um, if, we, if you think about why does the dog snore, and the dog snores because its soft palate's too long, it's too thick, and the noise, the majority of the noise we're hearing is sound reverberate as sound as air reverberates over the top of the soft palate. That's where most of that noise come from in, in, um, in the brachycephalic dogs. So, you know, when we look at, at, at what's happened with the brachycephalic dogs in breeding them with the shortened noses, we've ended up with a, a quite a wide, very thick and very long soft palate. Um, the, the nostrils have become quite stenotic or, or, or quite closed. So these little guys do do have considerable trouble breathing uh, generally through their upper airways. And, you know, when we look at the, the primary anatomical abnormalities, as I said, there's the stenotic nares, um, that, that long and thick and soft palate. Many of them also have tracheal hyperplasia. Their trachea is too small. That's their, their um, windpipe. Pati- windpipe. Their windpipe, yep, yep. their little windpipe's too small. And that, that particularly is evident in English bulldogs. Um, it, it, the, 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 a normal trachea has a normal track trachea to thoracic inlet ratio i won't worry too much about that of of 0.2 and if it's less than 0.16 then it's hyperplastic the breed the breed average for english bulldogs is 0.10 so it's half so it's it's smaller yeah it's half what a a a normal in inverted commas dog of that size should be but it's also the, the 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 majority of them are hyperplastic now that ratio never changes. As the dog grows, though, its trachea does become a bit bigger. But severe respiratory compromise, such as aspiration pneumonia and so on, in young bulldogs is is a complete disaster. Mm. Wow. Um, the other issues we see they they can they get what's called chonal atresia, and and the choney or coney is the area above the soft palate, and that can become too small for air to pass through. Um, macroglossa, which is is their, their tongues sort of basically too big, and sometimes you'll see these little guys sitting there with their tongue sort of almost hanging down to their chest, and that that's not uncommon in some of the breeds, um, and it's often made worse when they've had had um, they've lost teeth as well. And the other thing, the, the condition that we're recognising more more and more um, these days now that we're CTing them is this obstructive nasal turbinate disease where the little scrolly bones inside the nose, um, which are quite def- defined in a, a dog with a long nose, like a Labrador or a Shepherd, in the in the brachycephalic dogs, because that nose is compressed, the the, the nasal turbinus, those little scrolly bones, can extend cordially or, 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 or back above the soft palate where they shouldn't be, wow. and also forward. So 
So we can get uh, part of the reason some of these dogs can't breathe through their nose is there is no passage wow. for air to pass through there. Gee um, and, and, and if we don't sort of do something with them and, and try and help them, particularly when they're earlier, uh, when they're younger, then the condition will then progress. And so we'll start off with the primary problems and as, as they get older, and their breathing becomes more more difficult, and they struggle um, a little bit harder to breathe. Uh, and 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 it's sort of it's related to inspiratory increased inspiratory pressure. Um, so when they're when they're sort of sucking harder to get air in, we see a lot of secondary changes in the upper airways, and they can get um, the, the first change we generally see is is edema to sort of swollen ventricles mm-hmm. in the larynx. And that's the first stage of laryngeal collapse. And that can progress further to laryngeal collapse. Um, we can get hyperplasia of the pharyngeal region, tracheal collapse, bronchial collapse, um, the chony itself, uh, or coney, which is, as I said, above the, um, above the soft palate can collapse. We also see, because these dogs are, 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 are sucking harder to get air in, they're also putting more pressure on their diaphragm when they're breathing in. So we'll get reflux esophagitis and, and very often hiatal hernias as well. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of, it, it's not just the, um, the upper airways that's a problem. We also see problems with the upper gastrointestinal tract as well. Wow. As, a, as a general rule, um, anything that, that uh, is followed by a collapse, unless it's a tyrannical regime, is uh, usually not very good. There's, a, <laughs> there's an awful lot of collapse you're talking about there, Phil. Yeah, there's an awful lot. And most of that's because we're, we're, it, we're looking at soft tissue structures with increased pressures on them, uh, pressures that they're not capable of maintaining over time. And you know, many many pugs sort of in their in their and Frenchies and and the other the other brachycephalic dogs, in their youth they're great. They run around, they're a bit a bit noisy and so on. But as they get to sort of one and then two and they get a little bit overweight, then they really struggle with their breathing. And that's that's when we sort of we really need to step in before we get significant secondary change in these dogs. So sort of, I suppose, coming full circle back to Gary and his his little his little bulldog puppy that's he's snoring, he's heard all these issues and collapses that's going on. What what sort of point does he need to be concerned that the snoring is perhaps a bit more than just just a cute little noise that we're, that's keeping everyone awake at night? Yeah, look, I think I think you know, the, in my opinion, the majority of brachycephalic dogs probably need some degree of upper airway surgery, um, and the way. The way I assess them is, and the only real way you can assess them is by having a look, a good look down their their upper airways, and they generally need to be sedated to do that. But if I have a look and we see a very long soft palate, um, we also see quite enlarged tonsils in most of these dogs because there's a lot of local inflammation. But when we look at the larynx, if we, if I see edematous or swollen laryngeal ventricles, they obstruct airflow, but they also tell me that the dog has got significantly increased inspiratory pressure. So it's got problems breathing in. And if we see that, then the dog needs surgery. And I almost, you know, in the vast majority of dogs, we see that. And that's the first stage of laryngeal collapse as well. So so is that the sort of thing then that, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Gary's bulldog comes in to be desex. Is that sort of when the GP vet might have a look down the the larynx and just assess it at that stage? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think, and I really encourage um, vets in practice to, you know, when they see brachycephalic dogs um, for their puppy vaccinations, one of the things they should talk to them about uh, are the airway issues that the dogs get. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, 
um, what's it? Some breeders will, will, will talk to people about this. Others will say, none of my dogs have any problems. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Which, which you know, is really, is really unfair to the, to the dog. And, you know, if, if the owner thinks none of, we're not going to have any problems, then, um, then the dog will often suffer because it's assumed that, that that's normal for the dog. And it's not normal for the dog. You know, it's not normal for a dog to, to struggle to breathe in. Um, so I, I really encourage vets to talk to them, to talk to owners with, with their puppy vaccinations about airway issues. If, if any, any vets want handouts, we've got, I've got plenty of those if they want them. But also um, uh, when they are dissexed or if they have any, any procedures early on, have a really good look at their upper airways. And if the dog has a long soft palate, has big tonsils, has stenotic nares, it's got, or it has edema that's laryngeal ventricles, then the dog's going to have problems that will get worse as it gets older. So it's much safer for the dog to have those um, airway issues corrected at a young dog. And, and you know, somewhere between one and two years of age is ideal than um, when, they're, when they're older. And, and, you know, we see a lot more complications in dogs um, over six or eight years of age because of how many secondary changes have already occurred. So, you know, yes, it's a really good time to, to assess them. You know, if, if, a, if a little dog's being dissexed or having any other procedure that requires uh, anesthesia or intubation, then they really should have a great, good, really good look at the, um, at the upper airways. Because I guess the reality is if they've already got a, so, a, a long, soft palate, it ain't going to get any shorter by itself, is it? So No, it, yeah. it will get longer. It'll get thicker. thicker yep. um, and it'll get... Um, uh, more edematous and swollen. And if you look at them histologically, and there's some, some, some really good work on that, when you look at inside the soft palate of, of the brachycephalic dogs, there's, there's, there's um, quite significant, it's quite significantly different from, uh, a, a, say, a Labrador, where we'll see a, a thin soft palate, no edema of the mucosa, and, and fairly thin um, musculature there, the, the, um, uh, uh, the muscles that sit normally in the soft palate. But when we look at a, a very thick uh, soft palate from a from a, a French bulldog and English bulldog, there's salivary tissue in there. There's really wow. thickened um, and high, um, uh, abnormal muscle, um, the palatinus muscle, it's called. So it, it, histologically, it's it's quite a different um, organ than a, uh, a a lab or a shepherd. So is there a trigger for you then, um, Phil, as far as when you would say to someone, it is time to do surgery on your dog like as a do you have like a, a rule of thumb for people to sort of think hang on it's time to pull the trigger on getting this done yeah look i think i think it's it's an acknowledgement of the fact that's probably going to be necessary and have it assessed by someone who's experienced in 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 doing these surgeries somewhere between one and two years of age and um you know it's not it's not you know i do recommend people um go to to someone who's experienced in these surgeries because they there are a lot of complications that can arise uh, but also somewhere where there's there's 24-hour care afterwards to, to monitor them closely so um so yeah have them have them assessed uh i like to see them i don't like to, to operate on dogs that are in trouble so you know dogs that are today it was 36 degrees in brisbane and and a dog that was outside in that sort of heat and humidity will, will be in a lot of trouble. Mm. So we'll sometimes get them into the ICU on oxygen in, in trouble. And our focus on them is just to, to get them settled down, get them better. And then 
a week or two weeks or a month later, then we talk about surgery. We don't like to operate on dogs that are in trouble. But you know, if you have a have a, a brachycephalic dog, they do need to be kept quiet. They need to be kept cool. Cool is really important. Um, you know, in, in, particularly in, in, in the warmer weather, um, they really do need air conditioning. You, um, something we find is, or something I find as GP vets is, you know, you've got the, you know, the owner there with their gorgeous, cute little puppy. It's the first consult, 12 week vaccination and sort of bringing up that concept that, uh, that potentially your dog's going to have issues in a few years time and, and that we need to be aware of that. I mean, that, that's something we certainly bring up. Was it you that I'm, I'm not sure if I'm putting you on the spotty, but you that, uh, has a sort of breathing test that humans can do to, give some kind of assessment themselves about how you might feel if you're a brachycephalic. Is that you that developed that? No, but there are, there are a number of them um, available. Um, there's actually a, there's actually a formal one that they use in the UK where they do an exercise tolerance test um, where they run them up and down for three minutes outside. But if you did that to a English bulldog in Brisbane in summer, it'd die. Yes. So we you find them walking from the car across the car park into the buildings is adequate. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do tell people if they want to know what it feels like to, to block their nostrils off and then try and breathe through a straw while running. And, and I think most of them, most of them will get the idea that, that it's, it is really difficult, difficult for these yes. dogs. Yeah. yeah. Just the running thing got me there. Oh, I'd forget the mm. straw in the nostrils. Yeah. It's enough for me. <laughs> um, so, so I think that the thing to look at, with these dogs is, you know, if you look at an English bulldog, very often they look like a caricature of a dog, don't they? you know, <laughs> yes. of a, ca- a cartoon dog. You remember that, that um, English bulldog, you two are probably too young, that was in all of the Disney cartoons, his great big shoulders and it sort of went along yeah, like this with his yes. tiny, yep. yeah. tiny little hips. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in some studies in the UK, they have an over 90% cesarean rate because their pelvic canal is not big enough to give birth. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous really. So, you know, I think we need to see a lot of changes in the brachycephalic breeds and, and, and they've really been pushed and bred to an extreme point. And at this, you know, you know, when we get to this point, um, the dogs are in a lot of trouble. And I think that, um, you know, in all seriousness, there needs to be some fairly significant changes there. Yeah. Um. So what sort of, how did the, what did the surgeries involve, Phil? You know, when you, when you're talking about these things, the, you know, uh, are all of the the anatomical issues amenable to surgery, or is it? Can you only sure, do things sure. with some, or what's the what do the surgeries look like? Okay, so what 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 we do is is we we I'll do it normally do a consultation, have a chat with the owners. Um, we only do these surgeries on Mondays and Tuesdays. That way, we're we're available for the remainder of the week if there's any issues. Right. And a small number of dogs do have complications. Um, then we'll admit the dog. Um, uh, we, we like to, to obviously have them off food overnight and so on. Um, and we admit them and the first, we'll generally run a blood test, make sure that there are no biochemistry issues. Um, and our first thing is to sedate them and, and then have a really good look at their upper airways. Um, we, we, we sort of have used, developed a, a combination of drugs that we're really happy with that, that sedates them uh, quite comfortably. Um, and we'll have a look, open their mouth and have a look down there. And, and because the, the only part of the upper airways you can assess when they're conscious, obviously, are the nostrils. The rest of it you can't appropriately assess. So sedation, assess the airways. And then our, our next step is to, we'll generally have a, look, have a good look there. We'll, int- we'll anaesthetize them and intubate them. And then we'll get some imaging done. And 
that generally in the majority of these dogs, the imaging we do is a CT scan. And because the majority of them are small dogs, well, it's very quick to just run the dog through the CT, the CT, the whole dog. And we get a huge amount of information from that, um, the, the, the starting from the front, the, the, the structure of their, the nasal turbinates, the thickness of their soft palate. Um, is there any evidence of, of collapse of the, uh, of the um, nasal cavity, um, the size of the trachea, uh, whether they've got a, a, a hiatal hernia. We also have a very good look at their spine because the incidence of spinal abnormalities is sadly very, very common in these little ones. Um, so that's our approach was sort of, is that initially assess them. And then once I've assessed them, I'll then talk to the owners and they'll say, this is what we found. And, um, and then we'll proceed with surgery. And, and in the majority of dogs, we will trim the soft palate back. Um, and when I say trimming it back, you know, sometimes we'll take two or even three centimeters wow. off the soft palate. Uh, and, and in some, some dogs, especially the older dogs, the soft palate, which should perhaps be maybe three or four millimeters thick is, you know, up to two centimeters thick. So it's a massively thickened <laughs> thing. Wow. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll resect that back. I, I like to try and thin it as, as well. So we'll remove some of the palatinus muscle. Um, we then suture that. If the tonsils are enlarged, and they almost always are because of the chronic inflammation in the oral cavity, we'll take those out. Um, we'll remove the edematous ventricles in the larynx. There's some schools of thought that that you don't need to remove them once the airflow normalizes the, the, that edema and when swelling will settle. But I've never seen that. And, and I do agree, if you make that dog, uh, if we grafted a big long snout on it, its nostrils, it, its edematous ventricles would probably resolve, but <laughs> we don't, we're just doing as best we can. Yeah. While you're there. So I remove them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, they do significantly obstruct airflow. Mm. And then we also um, will open up the, the little nostrils to, to give them a, a better nasal passage. Um, and th there's a lot of different surgical techniques. Uh, the one I use mostly is, is a, a little, we take a little wedge out and then suture them open. Um, and so you don't really affect their cosmetic appearance because no one would want to mar the beauty of a, of a brachycephalic dog. No, um, well, of course not. In any way. <laughs> oh, they're gorgeous little guys. And then, and then, um, uh, and then we 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 then um, after we've done all these things, we'll then recover them, and and that's the difficult part mm. is that recovery. Um, we we will have you know a dedicated, um, experienced staff member who stays with that dog for the next twenty four hours. Generally, we'll wake them up on oxygen, and sedate them uh, as required. But most of them recover without any major major problems and what what sort of what sort of the problems you're talking about what uh you know what are some of the complications associated with the surgery um really the the, the two big ones are are um swelling post-operatively um as i say we do resect quite a lot of tissue there sometimes that that area will become swollen and if that be, if it becomes swollen then when we're trying to recover the dog they can really struggle to breathe um if that's the case, then generally we'll, 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 we'll calm them down with a little bit more anesthetic and we'll pack some swabs in the pharynx to try and reduce the swelling. Um, and then most of them we can then recover. A very small number of dogs, and it's, it's sort of less than, than, than 1% or 2%, um, still have problems and end up sometimes having a temporary tracheostomy while the swelling resolves. 
Um, so te- temporary tracheostomies where you like, like where you go and put a little breathing tube into their actual airway, little, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, it's something we, 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 we try and avoid unless we absolutely have to, but, and it's, a, and I always talk to owners a bit that there's a possibility, um, but the incidence is fairly low and, um, you know, we try and do everything else rather than do, rather than have to do that. And there's a lot of things that we've developed over the years that, that help us to, to, avoid um, temporary tracheostomies, but on occasion they're necessary. Yeah, I have to, and the other, yeah, go on. sorry, the other big, big complication we sometimes see is, is aspiration pneumonia um, when they, they will cough or vomit up and then, and, and then um, particularly if they vomit up a little bit of uh, phlegm or fluid and then breathe that in, into the, the, um, the lungs that causes tremendous uh, inflammation and, and uh, it's a very serious complication if that occurs. Uh, particularly in if a dog's got a, a, a its little windpipe's too small and then it develops aspiration pneumonia, that can be that can be disastrous to be honest. Yeah, right. Yeah, I have to I have to put up my my hand, Phil, and I, I actually when I was a bit more, perhaps a bit more of a gung ho, uh, young whippersnapper of a vet, I did have done one of these procedures myself in general practice. Um, but certainly in the years where I've uh, become a little bit more cautious and and moved on from there, I haven't done one for a long time. Is it the sort of procedure that? you think GP vets, you know, in, in general practice should be doing, or is it really something where it needs to go off to the specialist, the, the, the board certified? Oh, person? Look, I, yeah, I think there, there are many, many, and, 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 and many, many excellent vets out there in practice who, who do these procedures. Um, my, my only concern, you do need to be reasonably experienced. Your, your tissue handling has to be top notch. You know, you, you can't cause, more trauma or, 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 or edema or swelling or damage when you're doing the surgery, that's a disaster. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a good and competent surgeon, there's no problem. The, the only thing I always caution people on is, is um, making sure that they've got aftercare, adequate aftercare for the dog. And, you know, and that means, you know, having someone with them who, to, who's experienced watching the dog, because they can get into trouble very quickly. And we, we tend to keep, we can always keep them in overnight and sometimes for a couple of nights till we're happy um, that they've eaten and they're breathing normally and they're quite comfortable. Yeah, right. And I mean, I've probably got a lot of owners of brachycephalics out there thinking, oh, you know, my you know, dog's got already got some breathing issues. Um, you know, my breeders said that that uh, or the or the groomer or some somebody's third cousin has said that. Uh, that uh, you shouldn't anaesthetize these guys. They're an anaesthetic risk. You know, um, it's a, it's a real problem. What are your sort of thoughts on that sort of thing? Uh, look, it's a progressive problem. The dog's going to get worse unless it's treated. And you know, the 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 dogs that we treat, you know, people say it's a life-changing cha- procedure for the dog. You know, they go from yes. being unable to exercise, they can't do much. They they get in a respiratory distress just going out for a wee in the yard uh, to a dog that's to, who can breathe, uh, snore. I won't say they don't snore because they they always snore a little bit, but their their breathing is much easier. They're much more more comfortable. Um, so, so I think it's a, it's a life saving changing procedure. And you know, there's no there's no reason for for vets in practice not to do it, uh, um, provided they're they're experienced and provided they've got good aftercare. Um, so. Um, you know, people saying, oh, you know, none of my, the dogs that I've bred have ever had airway surgery, you know, that's a, a, or, or ever needed airway surgery is a ridiculous comment, to be perfectly honest. Ooh, so, yeah. ooh, there's, so there's a hot button issue. So uh, <laughs> there are no breeders out there that, uh, that, um, that are breeding dogs that, that, that uh, 
potentially have a, a don't need air. Yeah, they don't need airway surgery potentially. Uh, not 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 French bulldogs, English bulldogs, pugs. Yeah. Right. You know, not the severe brachycephalic yes. dogs. You know, those dogs. The 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 as I say, you know, when I assess them, what I'm looking for is have they got secondary changes in their larynx. And if they've got secondary changes in their larynx, then they need airway surgery. And I think that you can't argue with that because it's, you know, it's, a, it's an obvious and a secondary anatomical problem yeah. Yeah, that the dog has developed. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I think the breeds, as I said before, the breeds need to change significantly um, uh, to, to, from a welfare point of view, certainly. Yeah. Um, Phil, could you tell me about the, um, the, the laser assisted turbinectomy procedure It's something that, uh, sure. you know, I mean, Lewis and I are both getting a little bit, uh, you know, long in the tooth. And so, you know, there are these, all these new acronyms that all the kids are talking about these days. It helps us to make us feel like we keep our uh, fingers on the pulse. So, uh, sure. So this, this procedure um, was developed in Germany. Uh, it's called laser assisted turbinectomy or LATE late. Um, uh, and the dogs that require that are these ones where we have excessive nasal turbinates. So the, the little scrolly bones in the nose come too far forward and they go too far back. And when you look at a CT scan of these dogs, you, you sort of, there, there is no passage of air through there um, because there's just too much of the, of the bone. And when you look down there with a scope, the, you know, there literally is no way air gets through. So what what I tend to to do the surgery on the other parts of the airways first, and then I'll generally wait um, for um, six to eight weeks before we'll even consider a turbinectomy. It's a big procedure. Um, it takes a couple of hours, um, which is quite long. And, and what we do with it is we, we go up the nose with a, with a little camera and a laser, and we remove or ablate the, um, the, the little scrolly bones that shouldn't be there to give a clear passage of air. Um, it, it, as I say, it takes, um, takes a couple of hours to do. It's a big procedure. We tend to keep them in hospital for about a week afterwards as well. Um, because they, they, when we do that, we, we go up there, we take all those, those, um, uh, bones out. Um, then there's a lot of inflammation. There's a lot of discharge and, and we can give the dogs, we can keep them more comfortable, give them good pain relief, um, and also keep them humidified in those first sort of few days post-operatively. But um, the the you know we we do quite a few of these now. Um, we we um, use a carbon dioxide laser, which seems to be the best way of doing it, and um, we have very very good success rate as well. So um, you know, but it's not not every dog doesn't need this, but some of them do. And and I always warn owners at the start: this is a possibility, but we wouldn't consider it until way down the track. Um, when we, if we see that the other components of surgery that we've done haven't caused adequate improvement. Wow. It's, it's, it sounds fairly similar to um, actually a COVID test that Robbie had a couple of weeks ago with a, a particularly um, annoyed nurse when he tried to say he was a human doctor to get an early result. Is that, remember that one? No, I was, I, was, I, was, I was told that I should be a, um, a, one of the class A uh, ones yeah, because I was working in the medical oh. industry and she, she uh, took offence to that, yes. Phil. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. Very vigorous. Turbinectomy with a swab, <laughs> with, with a laser <laughs> carbon dioxide uh, cotton tip. Yeah, when I was had, had mine, I was really nice to the nurses and they were very gentle. So. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's. Uh, I, I learned the next time, Phil. I went in there. I was very somber. I was very 
you know, box, box of chocolates to them all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, geez. How are you guys going today? You must be hard doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is, it is, it is a, it's a big procedure and, and, it's not that's one's not for the faint heart. I don't know that there's any way else in Australia doing them regularly. Um, I say we, we do we do a few, um, but I, but uh, but not huge numbers compared to the, the 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 airway dogs that we do. And you know, as I said, we, I t- do these surgeries Mondays and Tuesdays. We're, we'll only do three in a day as well. Yes, um, because it's just too much inten- too too intensive staff wise. Um, you know, when we're recovering these dogs in the recovery area, I'm always there, um, and the, there'll be one of my techs with each dog, and that's the, that's all day. Um, and then at night, our our um, colleagues in the emergency centre uh, approach them the same way. So they have very very close monitoring. Um, but as I said, they can get in the trouble very quickly. Yeah. Poor little. Uh, yeah, what sort right. of uh, what what sort of time are you taking, Phil, when you're going in there and doing the uh, your, your soft palate, your your, your palatectomy, and uh, you know, doing the 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 nares and you know, what sort of time frame are you looking at from when they're under to, to for the procedure being done? Yeah, so as I said, we we like to um, uh, anaesthetize in in CT, um, assess them there, CT them, um, transfer them to surgery while they're getting ready for surgery. I'll review the CT scan, then I'll talk to the owners and then we'll do, um, we'll do what's necessary. And in the majority of dogs said tonsil, we'll remove the tonsils, we'll trim that soft palate and we suture that as well. Um, and, um, or sometimes we'll use a ligasure, which is a, 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 another, uh, which is a, a device that cuts and seals, um, uh, remove the ventricles and the larynx and then open the little nostrils up and then we'll provide Supplementary oxygen. Usually, the little pediatric nasal prongs um, uh, seem to, to they seem to, to be ha- quite happy with. Um, but generally, most of the dogs are asleep for an uh, hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, right. Um, yep. Uh, by the time all that's happened, um, and then as I say, we like them to wake up really slowly and calmly as well. And some of the, these little dogs are really excitable dogs, and so yes. um, you know it, it can be challenging. You know, you've really got to keep them calm. Yeah. Especially when they wake up and suddenly they've got oxygen flowing through their blood too. Mm. Phil. I mean, that gee whiz, <laughs> what a what a liberating experience that must be. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and um, it, it, we we've done a number of studies over the years, and one of them was we're looking at looking at the base oxygen levels of their bloods before surgery compared to eight weeks later and we we didn't weren't able to get enough dogs in the study to do it to to publish it but there was a significant increase in their oxygen level their arterial oxygen post-operatively which is you know i think most of these dogs well that most of these dogs definitely live their lives hyper hypoxic Mm. and hypercapnic Their, their oxygen saturation is lower than 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 a normal dog and their their blood co2 levels is higher wow Sounds like uh, Richmond's preseason training too. You know, they're trying to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Colin was the one that does the hypoxia. Oh, come on! No, no mountains, more, mate. Oh, here we go. Enough, enough AFL. So uh, uh, now, um, Phil, when you're talking about CT scans, um, yeah. one of the big things, and you were mentioning it earlier, is about the hemivertebrae. Can you, uh, uh, fill us in a little bit more about hemivertebrae and what that means and the significance it has for these little bracky dogs? Okay, so. When, when they selected for some of the breeds, now English Bulldogs, French Bulldogs, Pugs, Boston Terriers, and a few others, they selected them to have those little curly corkscrew tails, okay? Mm. Yep. All right, which is very cute. Yes. Yep. Okay, now 
the reason the tail is a little corkscrew is because the bones in the tail are abnormal. They're, they're, they're bent in a little twisted shape. And what they, they sort of didn't realize at that time was that the bones in the tail are vertebra. Okay. Oh. They're the caudal vertebra. So when you introduce abnormal vertebra in some part of the spine, it's, it also affects the rest of the spine. And, yes. and we, we see ridiculous spines on occasion. Um, we sort of have a monthly, a monthly, um, a monthly uh, assessment of all the spines when we go through and, and the winner's usually got about 16 or 18 non-caudal vertebra in the spine. Whoa. And it's, it, so they're really dreadful. And, and the, instead of the vertebra being a little block shape, they can be like a little butterfly with with a, with a, the middle bit missing. They can just be one side of a vertebra. They can just be a bottom of a vertebra or a top. And the, the, instead of a spine running along in a straight line, they 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 can have quite you know ninety degree twists or bends in them. Wow. And it's and and it's it's really awful. And the vast majority of these dogs um, don't have neurological signs. Right. Okay, so they're Amazing. neurologically normal. But some of them do, and the ones that do, when we see this, um, we see them. Sometimes the vertebra will, will luxate or push up and affect the um, affect the spine. Uh, sometimes the um, uh, and compress the spinal cord. Um, it'll cause alterations in the flow of the CSF or the fluid that the the, the, the brain and spinal cord sit in, so they can develop a uh, what's called a subarachnoid diverticulum uh, the acronym for that is sad which no, is quite appropriate apt, i think very apt. Yeah. because the, this little pocket of fluid gets larger and larger and compresses the spinal cord now oh. um it's not it's on the positive side it's it's really painful because it's a chronic condition on the negative side more than 80 percent of french bulldogs have this some in some studies over 90 percent wow um and the other breeds have significantly more as well so it's highly heritable um, there is a scoring scheme, um, which unfortunately is, is a waste of time because what they do in the scoring scheme is they'll score them. And if they've only got a few hemibirder, then they're okay to breed with, which oh. is sort of, but it's like, it's either abnormal or it's not, you know, and, and it, if the dog's got a normal spine, then, um, then that's fine. But if it's got a couple of abnormal vertebrae, they're highly heritable. It's, it's progeny will have abnormal vertebrae. So if you take two dogs with a couple of abnormal vertebrae and breed with them, you'll get more. So, but unfortunately, as I said, the incidence in the breed is it breeds very, very high and it, it needs to be removed from the breed. Now these are awful conditions when they occur. And, you know, there, there aren't that many people who do surgery on these dogs. Um, and, you know, generally what we have to do is to try and take the pressure off the spinal cord, make a big sort of window in the side of the spine. We'll use little plates to, to reinforce it. And often we have to cut a, a actually a hole in the spinal cord itself through the dura to let that fluid that's built up in the subarachnoid diverticulum out. So they're, they're, it's very very complex surgery. Um, it's not sort of there aren't that many people, as I said, who who undertake this. Um, but it's um, it's 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 very frustrating when something that's 100% preventable is quite common. If you're with me, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know. So on on that then, Phil, what? Um, you know, so I guess it's, you know, what, what can owners, the questions that owners should be asking, or what should breeders be doing? You know, I think you were saying about, you know, uh, selecting their, their breeds a little bit, uh, or the, their breeding stock a little bit better. 
what sort of, uh, you know, I guess it's always buyer beware. Um, what sort of questions should owners be asking before buying these pups? Oh, look, I think that's fairly complex. Um, you know, if, if they, it comes back a little bit to, to why do they want a brachycephalic dog? Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're a dog with a problem. You're buying a dog it's, with a problem, you know, trendy. guaranteed. It's trendy. Yeah. Uh, Phil, if you come down Port Melbourne where I am, uh, it's all brackies. I know, you lose your nose. I know. <laughs> I know. My, my, my good mate Hugh Jackman has one as well. So, you know, it's, it is, it is very, it is very, um, it's, it, yes, they're trendy. Completely mm. agree. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nice to be seen with them, but that you've got, they have to, people have to understand they're buying a dog that, that potentially has problems, mm. both, Airways and um, and spinal are the, are, the, are, the, are the common ones, but I could go on for several hours about all the other issues, but I can do that with other breeds as well. So so I think we, we need to step back a little bit and look at, you know, what firstly, what questions should owners ask? Um, you really should see the parents of any dog you buy. I think that's really important. Um, and I think that they should ask, are there dogs, are the dogs, um, uh, spine, has they, have they, are they, have they had their spine scored and have a look at that scoring. Um, and, and zero and zero is perfect. Um, more than that is, is not ideal. Um, often breeders will, will ignore, um, if they are bad, they'll just, um, uh, say they weren't scored. So, you know, see the parents go to the house, see the, see the breeders, you know, and, and, and there's lots of great breeders out there and they're lovely people and they've got a lovely home. Um, uh, and, and healthy, happy dogs. And there's also a lot of rat bags with, you know, dogs in cages and garages and so on. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's really a matter of understanding the issues that, are so, that arise with these breeds and going to make sure that the puppy you get, which, you know, realistically, you're going to pay a lot of money for, mm. comes from a, 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 a good and reputable person. Should, should they be asking um, if they can take the, uh, the parents for a run around in your car park? Uh, feel <laughs> <that they're... laughs> yeah look at i mean you know it's the thing that that i get very frustrated with is that you know the, these little dogs have a lot of issues and they're they're in particular they're they're, they're breathing you know and it, when you look at things like the you know the five freedoms for animals from a welfare point of view you know they talk about freedom from hunger and thirst that's something that you can, you can make sure your dog's got food and water, but freedom for discomfort. You know, if a dog's got significant upper airway issues, then it's not comfortable. Um, freedom from pain, injury, disease, you know, similar um, ability, freedom to express normal behavior. Now for dogs, it can't go outside because it's too hot without collapsing or, or getting becoming hypoxic. Then that's, it can't exhibit normal behavior. And, Again, freedom from fear and distress. So, you know, if you look at that, it's a lot of the brachycephalic dogs aren't, aren't, don't have the freedom to express the, the five freedoms that we say that, that domestic animals should have or, or all animals should have, you know, which is, is, I think, you know, very sad. And, you know, in some countries, there's been significant movement. Um, there's, there's legislation in Holland that bans the breeding of, 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 of a specific um, phenotype of brachycephalic dogs the the dog's nose must be longer uh, must be a, a longer than a third sorry a th a th um the dogs must be nose must be a third the length of the dog's head so they have to have a nose to breed and this and that that's legislation is in force in in um 
in in Holland for, since 2014, and also some of the other uh, European countries as well. And look in Queensland, you know, we have a um, a new uh, Queensland Animal Welfare Standards and Guidelines for Breeding Dogs and Their Progeny, um, and that was that was um, uh, ratified in 2018. And if you look at the standards there, and I'll read the standard um, five. Um, it's, it, it, you cannot, you must not breed a dog with an exhibited deleterious heritable condition that has the potential to adversely impact on the welfare of the progeny. Oh, it must not wow. be used for breeding. Okay, and it does say then without the written approval of a vet or a geneticist. But um, so you know that that's that's Queensland law. But no one there's been no successful prosecutions or no prosecutions over that, unfortunately, at this point. So until that occurs, um, you know, there, there won't be a lot of changes, but we really do need to change these breeds. And yeah, the brachycephalic breeds in particular need to be looked at from a holistic point of view. They need to, to have um, an, the reintroduction of some degree of nose and hemivertebrae need to be removed from the breed completely. Is it time for a couple of generations of whippets? To uh, you know, to be made, you know, with a over a pug or a French bulldog, try and get some you know nice big long legs and a you know, and a long nose and a big long nose. Yeah. Perfect, mate. Perfect. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Um, high speed pugs. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's it, like it's it's really sad when you you know you do see these little guys and you know people in the an odor comes in with a with a you know six month or sixteen week old dog in a lot of respiratory distress. They've not long had the dog, you know, they didn't sign up for this. Mm. Um, that's the, how it's been bred. And, you know, it's not just the uns, unscrupulous backyard breeders. A lot of the dogs have these issues. So, you know, I think we really do need to push as a profession, you know, and we're the advocates for animal welfare vets. Mm. We need to push that to, to, to change the, the shape of these breeds, to be honest. Mm. Well, that's, um, and, and I think that's uh, the, the thing in the end, isn't it, Phil, that we need to, you know, things have been let run for too long and, uh, you know, we, we've gotten to this point where we are. It's going to take us an awful long time to try and turn this uh, turn this ship around, but we've got to do it. I mean, how can we be advocates for animal welfare and yet still allow these guys to be um, – things aren't going to get better. Things aren't going to change unless something changes. Yeah, that, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's and it, you know, it's, it is – you know, you can have a lighthearted chat about it, but it is very serious and it is very sad too, you know, when – you know, people buy these dogs, they and they don't have the funds to to have um, remedial surgery on them, or the dog can't cope, um, and they lose the puppies. You know, it's just awful. So yeah, I do think that that there needs to be a real focus on changing the breeds. Yeah, and is that going to come from? Um you know, unfortunately in Western civilization, often we need to have a big stick, you know, is that going to be, you know, the government uh, enforcing like the laws that you have there in Queensland, or is it going to be the, oh, um, yeah. the veterinary boards that, that need to be, you know, wrapping vets over the wrist if we're prom not, not properly uh, promoting the health and welfare of these patients? What do you, how do you think we're going to ch uh, change things? Uh, I think it, it really needs to be um, a, 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 um, people coming together of vets and breeders and legislators um, and owners as well to, to recognize that the problem and to, um, to push for a change in the breed. And, and that's happening in the UK. There's a um, brachycephalic working group over there, which is, 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 is quite um, active and quite good. And they, they're doing a lot of good with, with um, 
with the, the breeds in the UK. Um, but it's, you know, it really does need, there needs to be a will to change. Um, and unfortunately at the moment when people are getting huge amounts of money for their mm. puppies, there's no will to change. And, you know, vets end up dealing with the fallout um, and the dogs end up suffering. So, you know, we, we, we do need to um, recognize that the, the, that the problem exists and push to change that problem. It's fantastic. Yeah, push to change. It's fantastic that the Netherlands and, and Europe have, have really come on board and made some, that's, that's some huge changes. That's, that's really um, mm. impressive. And if only we were as, uh, well, yeah, as upfront. Well, about we do, too. well, we do have the legislation in Queensland and hopefully if we can have a prosec- a successful prosecution of someone, then um, I think there'll be significant change beyond, behind that. Just another another indication of Queensland leading the the way in the national charge, Philip. You know, I mean, you guys are always, uh, you know, right on the forefront of, you know, m- maintaining civility in the country. Yeah, it um it's interesting in in many ways Queensland, um, is different from other places. But... <laughs> Very that diplomatic. Gets, that'll get the biggest laugh from our Victorian listeners, I'm sure. <laughs> it, yeah, well, the, we, we, but, it, but it is, I mean, it's, it's the best place to live in the world, Queensland, of course, and we all acknowledge that. And, and we, we, we're seeing an increasing number of Queensland, of um, uh, Victorians moving up here as well as New South Welsh people. Yeah. Um, so look, it is, it is a, um, uh, but, 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 you know, it's, it's a hot and humid summer up here and, and the, the dogs do struggle with it. Yeah. Um, mm. So. Oh look, Phil! Thank you very much for your time. Um, how can people, how can people find you? Where they where can they come and see you, or you know, find out more information about their brackies? Sure. Look, if they email the practice um, with attention of me, so and the email address is vss at vss um, You can email their uh, attention of Philip Moses. It'll get to me, and always happy to respond. Uh, we we vss has hospitals at Carrara on the Gold Coast, um, Jindalee and Underwood in, in Brisbane and also out at Toowoomba. So, you know, we, we, we sort of cover the, the southeast Queensland area uh, and we've been, we've been um, uh, we're in our 20th year now. So we've sort of been here for quite a while. Um, the Jindalee hospitals where I predominantly work and, and we really focus on the brachycephalic dogs at that site. So, yeah, look, it's, it's, a, um, uh, it, it's a very rewarding a pastime, um, pastime. Or, or, <laughs> that's, that's what it's what I do yeah. on a daily basis. We do, you know, and, it, and so it's you know it, it's it's. But I, I love my work and I really enjoy what I do. And and you know, helping little, these little guys is is really important to me. But I'd I'd really like not to have to do that. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd like for there to be, um, uh, you know, happy, healthy dogs that could breathe without any any problems. But unfortunately. Um, we don't have that at this point. Yeah, definitely. And if owners you know, or, or, uh, or vets around Australia want to get in touch with you, are you happy for them to also send you an email, even if they're of not course. in Queensland? Of course, mate. Of course, you know, we, we get, we have um, uh, queries and questions from, from all over the country. In fact, all over the world for, for particularly with the airway issues, but you're yeah, very happy to, um, uh, to, if they, if they just mark the attention, mark the email attention of me, 
um, Philip Moses, then it'll get to me and I'll, I'll always respond. Excellent. And uh, listeners, we'll put that we'll put that email in the show notes. So, uh, you know, if, if there are vets out there or people who want certainly want more information or, or actually perhaps want to get down and see um, see Phil and with, with their brachycephalic dog, uh, they can uh, go and check him out in, in the south of south of Queensland, south of Brisbane, south of... Yeah, southeast Queensland. Southeast Queensland area, but it's fantastic. It's been it's been fantastic having you on the show, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Th- Great talking to you both. Thanks, Philip. You're a legend, mate. Cheers. Cheers now. Bye bye. Wow, how good was that? Thank you very much, Phil, for your time. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Talk about being able to. Uh, talk with someone who's got the uh, got literally their finger on the pulse of what's happening with these little guys the passion yeah yeah and i think he's passionate uh comes from uh from potentially owns a few of those sorts of breeds of dogs i think he's saying he's he's uh what was he saying he got he got given or uh or um adopted the dogs because uh, they needed a good home so how about that i it's certainly the background of his zoom video it was a, it was a litter of pugs i'm not sure if that was a real photo or or of his of his, the background of his house or if it was it was a sort of stage shot it was amazing wasn't it was like, yeah it's um i did a talk um with phil uh earlier on uh, this year um where he was talking about the yeah from the veterinary side of things so i directed more towards vets and um he uh on his zoom thing he had some filter where he can actually get a pug face oh, on him on himself. Very nice. Which was, didn't, uh, he didn't give us that bit of piece of technology. Gee whiz, we missed out, mate. What happened? Well, I think I think he uh, he saw that you were so impressed by the fact that he put the glasses on that he just wanted to. Uh, he didn't want to try and sully that at all. So, but very very knowledgeable bloke and uh, and uh, really really amazing amazing stuff. And I, I certainly nice guy, really yeah, really yeah. nice guy. Yeah, and exactly. we thank Phil very much for his time. Um, where and can we, people find him though, Lewis? Yeah, so he's a vet as uh, as he sort of alluded to. He's at Veterinary Specialist Services uh, down in southeast Queensland. Uh, you can check out their website vss.net dot au and if you want to maybe you know you want to get on to phil you've got a case or if you're a vet or or you own a dog that's a brachycephalic that you've got some issues about you want to talk to well probably the guru of of around australia or you know as far as the, the specialists go on the mm. on the brachies um you can certainly he's suggested you can email him vsss sorry vss at vss.net.au attention philip moses and it will get through to him and he'll he'll get back to every single one probably the hundreds of well his, his inbox will be full you know i think so uh, full yeah no, i don't don't doubt it i mean i just got an email this week saying that we're the number one listened to podcast in portugal Woo! so to all our portuguese list portuguese uh, listeners yes thank you guys and send emails in to phil if you've got any questions on your brackies Yes, and uh, and Phil very uh, kindly said that he'd uh, like to come back on the show again. So uh, you know, so it'd be great to get him on. Uh, what he said, he'll talk about some spinal stuff. So uh, so that'd be pretty good. We'll uh, pencil up a time in the in the new year. Two things we want to hit him up about a bit more. I think is yes, uh, he did uh, just a bit of a names drop there. The the. the- there was a very non-subtle name drop there yes. that we sort of let slip, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There were two. There was one playing for the Wallabies and another one a certain movie star. So we might touch a little bit deeper into that the next time we talk to him. 
We'll lean into those particular nuggets that he that he left us with uh, next time. Yes, he did drop those, didn't he? But fantastic. So anyway, mate, look, I reckon that's a, that's about a wrap for for this episode. We've we've uh, we've rambled on enough, but certainly it was it was a great chat with Phil. So um, yep. If if you'd like to name drop any any famous people that you know, uh, send it to uh, Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. Uh, find us at patreon.com. Search for Two Vets Talk Pets. Uh, you'll find us on the Instagrams. You'll find us on the Twitters. You'll find uh, Lewis on the TikTok. Uh, um, you know, you'll find Lewis trying to clear memory on his computer so he can actually save the yeah, recordings. Yeah. Well, Luckily, if you, if you are that certain name celebrity that he named Hugh Jackman, uh, and you're listening and you own a Brackus phallic and you want to come on the show, look, ah, uh, we could probably free up some time. We, we mean, could fit you in here. Yeah. We could look at our schedule and Hugh, if, if you, if you are, you do if want to talk about Phil. Hey, Philip, 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 we know Philip's out there. Philip's listening. But... <laughs> Don't get the names mixed up. It's you we want. We'll have we, Philip again. Well, we want Philip again. But we want... if we get Philip again, we've got a chance of getting Hugh. Yeah. Well, we might get Hugh anyway. If you're listening, Hugh, Hugh Jackman, give us a, give us a bell. TwoVetsTalkPets yeah. at gmail.com. We would love to chat about your brachycephalic that you own. Charlie Pickering's still giving us a cold shoulder, so we could, you know, yeah. we could get Hugh Jackman. That'd be great. We've long gone from Charlie, haven't we, mate? <laughs> All right, guys. Peace out. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at VetBehaviorist. And more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.